Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I'm so excited to have Ashley Kincaid, foster mama, bio mama, pregnant mama (laughs) on the podcast today. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Okay. So will you just tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah. So my husband and I have been married for five years this Saturday and we moved to California four years ago. We had our daughter, Olive, um, almost four years ago, four years ago in June, July. Sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of birthdays. <laughs> and then we're in the process of adopting our middle daughter who we call Daisy on social media. Um, and I'm expecting our youngest son in July also. <laughs> Whoa, that's amazing. Congrats. So exciting. So tell me a little bit about what got you and your husband thinking, yeah, maybe we're going to foster. So it's been kind of like a lifelong thing for both of us. And it was super crazy because on our very first date, like I brought it up right away. I want to be a foster parent one day. I want to adopt one day. And he started laughing and was like, that's so crazy. I've always wanted to do that too. Um, And it's like a non-negotiable for me. So I always bring it up on the first date too. And so like, it was just nuts that we came together in that way. But um, for me, I was, I grew up in the military. um, And so we lived over in Korea for a little bit when I was younger and we volunteered with a children's home in Korea. And I had never been exposed to kids that were like in any sort of system or in need um, of a family. And so that was the first time that I had like interacted with kids that were in need of families. And I remember thinking at that age and I was like six or seven, like, Oh, I could be, I, we should, we should put this in our family or I could be that family. Um, and then through high school, I was in a church that was really engaged in the foster system in Kansas city. And they just like had a lot of informational meetings and a lot of foster family support meetings. And so I would volunteer to do like the daycare nights, the parents night out kind of stuff. Um, and then I went to the college for social work. So then for a while I worked at a group home for teenage moms and a lot of them were in the system um, and a lot of their babies were in the system. So I just got like super involved in that area. And for my husband, it was just something, it was like God speaking to him, you know, just something that he always knew he wanted to do. He had no friends that he knew of. There was no family member. It, it just was like something he knew he wanted to do. And then he became a teacher for the like inner city school district and tons of his students were in the system. And at the time we didn't know that as a teacher, you could actually be your student's foster parent. Uh, we had no idea. So we were just like loving on them as much as a teacher can. But then when we moved to California and we got more settled and we were like, we found out that that was an option. We were like, okay, this is something we definitely have to do. So as soon as we had the space in our home, we started the classes right away. (laughs) Wow. That is amazing. And just so um, 
cool that you guys both had this like innate desire to do this and that some of it was from experiences you've had and other and your husband's was just like yeah I always have wanted to do that I think that's encouraging because it's not something that you hear many people talk about so to have find someone out there you know for like your spouse who's already been thinking the same thing that's amazing yeah. And I didn't have to, you know, pressure him into yes, it. Exactly. He was the one that was asking me all the time. Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? <laughs> so when did you know you were like ready? You got there, you knew you had space, you wanted to do it right away. But what was that initial process like for you? Well, we tried to sign up when we first got married. We had been married for like four months and we were like, okay, let's start. <laughs> like We didn't we didn't want to wait anymore, but we knew at the end of that year when I graduated college, cause we were married my senior year that we were moving to California for him to get his master's degree. And so all the agencies we talked to were like, yeah, not a good idea because we're not going to put a kid with you that is just going to be taken out when you move. Mm-hmm. We totally understood that made perfect sense. So when we got to California, our daughter was born about two months after we got there. Um, so that was a really big adjustment. Um, but when she was one and a half, I was like, all right, I'm ready to add more kids. I feel like I've got a handle on parenting her and like, it's not super scary anymore. So let's start. And we actually were starting with private adoption. Um, just thinking like, okay, well, we want to add to the family like right now and the goal of foster care is reunification. So we don't want to go into foster care, not supporting reunification. And then we had a couple um, adoptions where the biological parents, the parents changed their mind and they have every right to do that. So we completely understood. And then we had one situation where we were scammed and there was no baby. So that was really hard. But right after that happened, I had a really close friend who's uh, brothers and sisters-in-laws, they were really young um, and still living at home and they were taken into care. And she wanted my professional help trying to get her family license to step up for them. So once I was like really involved in that, I came back to my husband and was like, I don't know what we've been doing. Private adoption is not for us. Like we've always known we wanted to be foster parents. This is just crazy. Let's stop and start doing that instead. Wow. Okay. And so right from that point in time, how long did it take you to get licensed from then until you actually were ready to have a foster child? I was crazy. I filled out everything like as fast as possible. (laughs) Like every day I was working on stuff. I started in, we started our classes in June and we finished everything, the, the doctor's appointments for the physicals, the home study, everything by September. <laughs> so I was like going nuts trying to get everything done. But we didn't get a placement until December. So it, we had a little bit of a, a gap. So it was about six months. Okay. And then how did Olive do when you started fostering? So at first she was only two and a half when we brought our middle daughter, Daisy home. She was, she's been our first placement and she was three months when we brought her home. And so they were not super far apart in age that realistically they were only about two years. And so she just kind of ignored her. (laughs) She didn't have any problems, but she just didn't pay attention to her. And then we got a call for our second placement who we called Silas on social media. And it was like, all of a sudden everything clicked for her Mm -hmm. and she just was obsessed with her babies was what she called them. 
babies. And she added her name to their name. So she would call Daisy like Day Live instead of Daisy as an example. (laughs) So she she, like, that was her way of taking ownership. It was really sweet. (laughs) That is so precious. It's so funny how kids at different ages and just different personalities adjust to, you know, family changes like that. And I think that's one of the big worries that like many families have before they foster. They're like, how is this going to affect my biological child? And I know we definitely were like, what's the right age that we should start fostering to like, make sure they understand and whatever. But I think there's just, there's no right or wrong, but looking back, do you feel like that was a good age for, for you guys and your family? Yeah, totally. For our family, it was perfect. Like no problems as far as her being jealous or anything like that, which was super unexpected because she's very like alpha oldest child. (laughs) We, I mean, it was just like the grace of God that she was super about it, but we definitely, even now, because we're thinking about when to open our next spot after baby is here, Mm -hmm. we're like, do we, do we take like, can we take kids older than her? Is that going to be something that she is able to do because having that many babies, babies is probably not realistic right now, but I don't want to close our spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot to think about. Absolutely. That's so cool though, that you guys are already thinking about, you know, okay, how and when will we foster again? So what do you feel like, have you guys had conversations around, you know, what's the right number for our family or how many placements we want to have, or is that something you're just kind of figuring out as you go? Um, well, if it was up to me and I lived in a mansion, I would never have a limit. I would just, <laughs> every time I've literally never said no to the placement worker. And I know that that's not always super healthy, but they do this thing where they tell me their the first name. And then I'm just like, I'm done. I can't not do it. Yes. It's um, so hard. Yeah. I, my husband says he wants like four or five, no more than four or five kids in the home at any given time. Uh-huh. I think if I say yes, when he's not home, then he'll be <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. Cause I literally talked to someone a few weeks ago that said, they're like, I've gone out of town and there's another kid there when I get back or my husband goes out of town. They're like, Hey, guess what? We have another kid. And like yep. <laughs> foster mom and dad things like no one else in the world, like understands what it's like to like, have that be a thing. You're like, I woke up today and didn't have a kid and didn't know about a kid. And then literally <laughs> at dinner time, I was like, I'm feeding another kid. <laughs> yep. Yep. And with our little boy that reunified who we call Silas, um, I totally like didn't tell him that I was going like I I remembered to text him when I got to the hospital to pick up the baby. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So tell me about your experience with Silas. How long did you have him and what was that process like for you guys? He came to us after we had Daisy for about a month. And we got the call in the middle of the night. We had literally just gotten Daisy to go to sleep. She was um, straight out of the NICU. So she was still waking up like every hour on the dot. because She just wasn't used to the environment of in a home. She was still used to like the beeping and the lights of the hospital. Um, And we were exhausted. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And we got the call and they were like, hey, there's this baby. Um, He's supposed to be going to family in like a week. We just need a place for a week. And we were like, okay, well, we do have two beds. And we said two and like, we can't say no. (laughs) And so like, we were like, okay, this is insane. We're going to say yes. And the night that we, we brought him home the next day and I had forgotten to text my husband that 
they did in fact need us to come get him because they had texted us like, oh, now we're not sure. So I totally forgot to tell him like, yes, we are coming to get him. Um, so he like was like, oh, we're getting a baby. <laughs> um, but we brought him home that night. And that was the first night that Daisy slept all the way through the night was the first night he was home. So it was really special. <laughs> that is, oh my goodness. And then a week turned into eight months and he was still there with us that whole time. And gosh, we just loved him so much. And his whole family was so involved and great. And it finally worked out where he had a sibling that was able to be reunified with him in another home. And so we were all four of them being together because they had a really tight bond, even though he was super little and we still get to see pictures of him and stuff, which I know we're super lucky to be able to do that. Hi, friends. I just wanted to pop on and let you know that there is something I am so excited about. It's called Fearless Fostering, a deeply connected six-month group coaching program for foster mamas, and it is launching in June. This brand new program for foster mamas includes a luxury retreat, a curated community of foster mom friends, and ongoing coaching with me. Applications are open June 21st and will be reviewed on a first-come, first-served basis. So join the waitlist today at Fearless Fostering and you'll be the first to be notified when applications open. How did it feel for you when you, when you found out, okay, this is going to be a longer term placement. And then how did it feel when you're like, okay, he's going to be reunified? It was tricky because in the early stages, we were actually asked to adopt him like right away. Mm -hmm. And so we, prayed about it. We talked about it. We're like, okay, yes, we'll do this. And then everything changed like two months later. And so we were in this mindset of like, he's got a great family. He's going to this family. And then we had to adjust to like, okay, no, he's staying with us. He's going to be ours forever. And then he was leaving again. And then about three days before he was scheduled to move to this relative, the court said, no, you can't go yet. And then at that point, it was just like, we don't know. It was day to day, every day, any day. could It could change any day. So it was just kind of like, all right, wake up today. And he's nobody's coming to get him today. So yes. it was a lot heart-wise. <laughs> so many people, I think, outside of fostering just literally can't fathom that. And I think, and they don't understand that being in that not knowing space is something that's always like, it's never known until it's all the way, right. All the way done and known because like it, you hear that so much. And it's like that, just that uncertainty feeling that you're always navigating. And not only that, but you've got the rest of your life. I mean, you've got other children, you are pregnant, you are, you know what I mean? Like you're doing other things, you're working, you're doing a life outside of fostering. So it's just amazing. The fortitude, I think that you have had to have to be able to continue on this way when they're saying, okay, you're going to adopt him. And then, okay, no, he's not going to be adopted. It's just like, wow. How did you guys deal with that? How did you, what were some things that you kind of leaned on to get you through that? Oh man, it was really hard. Cause that was our first goodbye to Daisy's case. was still really up in the air. Like we just had no idea what was going on with her, but we never had any idea what was going on with her. Whereas with him, it was like, this is what's happening. Now this is what's happening. And so I feel like we did a good job getting our hearts ready 
for him to leave after we were told we were going to adopt him. And then he kept staying. (laughs) So then when they told us he was going to leave again, we were like, okay, whatever. And honestly, it was like the day that I placed him in the worker's arms. And that was when I was like, he's leaving. My baby's leaving. Mm -hmm. And I was a wreck for a while. (laughs) But it was right around then that I discovered that you can have foster competent therapists, like foster parent competent therapists. Um, so I signed up right away because that was like something I really was missing. We we just don't really have any um, community stuff in our life because we started fostering like two months before COVID mm. and we don't know anybody else that fosters and our agency didn't have a support group at the time. They're starting one now for the first time because I call them a hundred times a month about it. So I'm really happy. <laughs> Good. Well, you should. It's hard. I think that's one thing that I hear consistently is like, there's not enough support in terms of people who get it. And, and people who, like you said, have like a therapy background that can guide you through, you know, to tell you, to support you in a way that is adequate, but then also to provide that community piece where it is, it's just like when you're doing something so difficult and so out there for lack of a better term, like we're not that many people are doing it. That community aspect is so important. You're right. Yeah. I just wanted to be able to call somebody and be like, did this happen to you? Or like, uh, you know, do you remember this? And uh, there just wasn't anybody to call for me at the time, which is why, you know, I was so interested in what you're doing with your blog and your class. I'm like obsessed with <laughs> everything you're doing. I'm so on the system of self-care and trying to get, you know, doing better for yourself because you can't do better for everybody else. If you're not doing better for yourself. Thank you for saying that. That's like literally what my mission was. I'm like, if I'm having these feels and I'm a therapist, (laughs) like (laughs) I feel like there's gotta be other people out there having these feels and we need Um, to kind of band together as just foster mamas and be like, all right, how are we going to do this? The easiest way possible and the lightest way, like the least burdensome way possible so that we can show up for kids who can't lighten their own burdens and families who can't lighten their own burdens. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. I know you're busy and I'm just so thankful for you sharing your story. Um, How can people find you online to connect with you and follow along with your family? Mostly I'm on my Instagram. I just kind of try to update when I don't have (laughs) 1 million things going on. It's called the underscore graceful underscore nest. And so it's basically just like my nest, my kiddos, my family, and walking through all of this. And it's been a place where I can be really honest um, about what I'm feeling, even though I'm prote- I'm protecting their privacy, I'm protecting their stories, but it's one of the few places where I can just be like, this sucks. And I feel like this, or I'm tired, or I feel like I'm not doing a good enough job. And then other people who have been going through the same thing have been like, yeah, me too. I get same. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm so glad that you do. I love every, everything that you're sharing. I love your honesty. And I just think we can all benefit from that lesson of just like, let's just be vulnerable. Let's just lay it out there. And then we can support each other as we do. Cause this is all real hard. <laughs> and it's so freeing to be able to just let it out. <laughs> yes. Exactly. It's so freeing. I love that. Oh, well, thank you so much. You're amazing. And best of luck. And we're praying for your little babe doing fine. Thank you. Thank you.